you are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Hey, this is a very special Sunday. So turn to somebody and say, this is special today. And I'll tell you why. Okay, we've been doing a, a theme on God's love. And we're going to get to hear from some of our most anointed young preachers. And uh, we're, we're actually giving them a little more freedom today. To We're going from 300 seconds to 400 seconds, all right? So it's going to be brief, but it's going to be really good. And so we've got a great lineup, but we got amazing Antoine this morning sharing with us. Yeah. We got marvelous Mike Peterson. We have jubilant Janice. We got very nice Nick. And we have dynamic David batting cleanup. So we're going to have some fun here this morning. And uh, so uh, let's start off with uh, amazing Antoine. Give it up for Antoine. Thank you, sir. Good morning, Discovery. How's everybody doing? I am so privileged to be able to speak to you guys this morning. So grateful for the opportunity. I need you to know that I don't take it lightly. It's a serious thing for me, but I'm excited at the same time. God is so good. So I want to talk about how God's love is the model. God's love is the model. There's a scripture in John 15, 12, 13 that says, This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. How many of you remember the WWJD fad? Raise your hands. How many of you remember that? What would Jesus do? So every time somebody had some kind of circumstance come up or conflict, they would go to, what would Jesus do? Well, let me tell you something. I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to be very brief and very specific. Jesus' love was lost on the WWJD trend. Because it didn't touch on the fact that God's love should draw us to do, okay? Love is not something you say, it is something you do. It's an action word. So I don't want to sit and say, well, what would Jesus do? Instead, I want to be moved by his love and cause me to do something different. Amen? And again, John 3, 26 says, God so loved that he gave. It didn't say God so loved that he spoke. God so loved that he gave, and in fact, he gave his life. So that has so much more value than, let me see, let me look at my wrist and say, what would Jesus do? Jesus gave a specific commandment to all of us to love one another. Whether you believe in Jesus today, whether he's in your life today or not, he gave us a specific command, meaning the church, to love one another. Amen? It's specific. He didn't say love if it's convenient for you. He didn't say love if you fill up to it. He didn't say love if it just kind of, you can kind of get there. We all know love costs you something, doesn't it? It's not something small. There's a sacrifice involved. I have so much to share that I'm just like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm going to slow myself down. Oh, my gosh. God is so good. So how do we respond to this command to love? 
first we must recognize the fact that love is not defined again by what we say but what we do. Secondly, God's love is very clear in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. It says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love takes no pleasure in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, it hopes all things, and endures all things. So just place yourself against the measurement of God's love for a second. Remember those words. So this, this applies to me too. When I walk in this building every Sunday, I check myself at the door. And I say, where's your heart at? Because Jesus isn't just focused on me. He's focused on his people, his children. And we have a duty to love one another. You may not come out of your spot that's bad if I don't love you. You might come to church and see me with an attitude and go, man, this is a joke. Am I lying? I'm going to tell the truth. Okay? God's love has so much power, but it's got to be working through us, in us, to other people. And again, God didn't say love on the people that you like. Just like he came, he came to save those who were lost, to bring healing to those who were sick, to love the unlovely. Don't just love on people who are easy to love just because you like them, just because that's your friend, that's your circle, that's your crew. No, listen, love on the unlovely. I don't care if they smell. I don't care if you think they're weird. I don't care if they're different from you. Good. The more that you get driven to love. Because let me tell you something. We got to see each other beyond the natural. Okay? You got to start seeing me after the spirit. Don't look at the outer appearance. Don't look at my faults. Don't look at my shortcomings. Don't look at where I fall short, because guess what? We all do. But I'm gonna tell you something. The love of God is real, it's alive, it is powerful, and it can break down any stronghold in your life. And if you don't have it, ask for it. If you don't know how to give it, ask for it. But you have to love one another. God commanded this of the disciples before he went to the cross. He said, I command you, love one another. Because the only way the world's going to know that Jesus is real is that the love of God is at work in you. They're not going to look for Jesus anymore. They're going to say, wait a minute, this Jesus you talk about, is he real? Can he really love me? Because I've gone beyond where I feel unforgivable. There's no hope for me. Why would he forgive me? I stand here to testify that he forgave me. And if he can forgive me of some of my faults and some of my flaws, he can forgive anybody. And his, it's his love that forgives. Not because he likes me, but because he loves me. Amen? I could just keep going. It's, it's just not enough time. Jesus commanded us to love one another. And this is, he commanded this before he gave himself a ransom for us. But most importantly, he demonstrated the greatest expression of love that he described in that scripture. And that was to, that there's no greater love except the man give his life for his friends. And he, then he went and did it. Action, the motto. That's my time. 
Hey, morning, everybody. Wow, Antoine, blessing. Oh, all right. I'm a little uh, tired this morning. I came back from an amazing weekend. Amazing weekend. And just so happens that my title today is God's Love is Rest. That's what I need. I need rest. Amen. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. Amen. So let me explain what a yoke is first of all. Yoke is a, not the ache part, you know, and, and not as in light as in cholesterol. That's not what he's talking about. But what he's talking about is it was, it's, a, it's a strong wooden harness that goes on oxen. And it's made to plow fields. And, and you need to be strong to pull this, this harness. And it's a real burden on them. It weighs them down. And they have to struggle to really do their job. So, a few years ago, I think, uh, maybe two and a half, three years ago, somewhere around there, I was uh, living in the apartments there on the expressway, the Redwood Creek Apartments, and we got some black mold and some mildew in our closet and behind our bed and um, in my kids' room, and they kept getting sick, and we're thinking, why does our kids keep getting sick? I mean, they have a respiratory problems and some stuff. We're like, man, what's going on, right? What? And it's, so it's really stressing us out, really, you know, weighing us down, me and my wife. And then we found out what it was, and we called up the apartments on what was going on, and they're like, oh, that ain't black mold. We don't have that here. You know, that's only back east and, you know, real wet climate. What do we live in? <laughs> but, but anyways... They wouldn't do nothing about it. And of course, I didn't want to take legal actions or anything, but I remember I have to seek Jesus in it, right? I have to seek God. So I was in the bathroom, sitting on the toilet, and, <laughs> and I was reading this scripture, <laughs> right? And and a loud voice came to me and he said, God said, I am with you. And I, it startled me. I'm serious, guys. It was like a loud, like crashing voice, boom. And it startled me. And there was like a, a thing of powder sitting on the counter. And I knocked the powder over and spilled it everywhere. And I had some people coming over. And I'm trying to hurry up and clean it up so people ain't doing, thinking I'm doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing. <laughs> you know? But... When he said that to me, I am with you, the rest came upon me. And what I, and the rest, you know, I take as a metaphor for, it's a rest for our souls, for our minds, for our hearts. But when he says, I will give you rest, he says, I will give you love. I will give you peace. I will give you hope. I will heal you and I will restore you. And I start praying after, after he said that to me. I start praying. 
And it, it's like the veil just came up off me and everything just kind of lifted up. In Exodus 33, 14, yeah, 33, 14, God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So when we're in his presence, that's when we're gonna receive his love, we're gonna get healed, we're gonna get peace, we're gonna be restored. And then I start praying and I'm praying and I'm on my hands and knees and my feet's on the floor and I got my worship song on, I got my song on, we're no longer slaves, right? And I'm praying for specific things being real specific with God, what I want to happen, what I want to see to happen in my life, in my family's life. Two hours later, I get a phone call from the manager of the apartment, and the exact words what I prayed for, she told me. You know? Because like I said, there's power in the name of Jesus. And she said to me, okay, Mr. Peterson, hey, we're apologized. What do you want? Um, all right, we're going to let you out. We're going to break your lease. We'll give you 30 days to get out. Ain't going to cost you nothing. You ain't got to pay nothing. We're not, you don't even have to pay for that month's rent. And it went extended on what I prayed for. So then I start praying again, and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, praise God. Wow, thank you so much. And then I start praying and thinking, okay, Lord, now I need a place to go. <laughs> All right, but I start praying, and I'm me and my wife together praying as husband and wife, unbreakable right there. And we're praying together, and we start saying, "Okay, Lord, this is what we want. This is what we need. You know our needs. Let your will be done in our life." So we're taking a drive. See a guy standing outside. Hey, want to sell your house? Yeah, sure. How much? He had a sign, right? Just put the sign up. Got the house, cheap money, literally almost practically free. So, but remember one thing, and this is what you guys really need to understand and apply in your life. We cannot submit to our burdens, but we need to submit to God who controls our burdens. Amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Janice, representing the females up here. I was the only chick that was allowed to be up here. <laughs> um, my name is Janice, and my um, topic is God's love is like math. I told this to John, and John was like, wow, you sound like a millennial. Like, what is that? But I was like, I'm sorry, but that's how I feel. So my verse for today is I'm uh, Romans 8, 38 and 39. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for tomorrow, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, 
nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, that's a, sorry, that was a hefty one, my bad. <laughs> um, so math, uh, when I was in elementary school, and I'm sure you guys can relate, you learn your arithmetic. You learn two plus two, you learn five minus two, you learn just simple, simple math. And so when I was doing math in elementary school, I was like, yeah, this makes sense. It's like very cut, clear, neat, tidy. It all makes sense. And then high school and college happened. And then they started adding letters and then graphs. And then you have to buy like a $100 calculator for nothing. And so everything just changed as far as that subject for me. <laughs> um, we would be given math problems, and one problem, I'm sure some of my high school and college students can relate right now, those one problem, you need like five different equations just to figure out that one problem. Like what, uh, it was, it's just too much. And so when I was in high school, we used graph paper to do our math. And on that graph paper, you know, you have, I, I remember one problem would take the entire paper to figure out. And you know, all these different equations, you have to create graphs, you have to, it was just a whole thing. And so we also had our textbooks and on, in the textbooks, the answers were typically in the back of the book. So I would do this problem, look at the mess that I created on that graph paper, check my answer. And the times where I was like, are you serious? Was when the answer was like y equals two, y equals five. Super simple, single digit answers like, because you, you do so much work, you think like, oh yeah, the answer should be pretty elaborate also. But no, it's just two. You did all that work for two. So, <laughs> and so I was like, well, okay. So, but the funny thing is more often than not, and this may sound really silly, but it's true. When I'm asked about God's love, I, my visual in my mind always goes to that, those moments where I would look down on my piece of graph paper, look at all this mess I've made on this paper, all the, the equations and all of these pictures and everything that I've created, and the answer was always two. Well, I look at my life like that graph paper. All those writings on that graph paper is all my problems. Everything that I've messed up, all my complications, things I don't even understand anymore, what I've done and what I'm doing. I look at that graph paper and that's what it looks like. But the answer is always from God, Janice, I love you. It's always that simple. After looking at everything on that graph paper, everything that I've done, he's always going to say, Janice, I love you. I know everything you've done. I know that your life is messy. I know that what you've done is messy. I know none of it is making any sense to you, but I love you. And that answer will always be that for you. I'm sure that you, if you can relate, if you can see that picture in your mind of your life, of what you've done and what you're doing and, and your hope for the future, just know that his answer for you is I love you. I love you and that's all that, that matters. That's your simple answer is I love you. And because I love you, I have grace for all your mess. I have grace for everything that you've done. I have forgiveness for you. So if you can take anything back from just my seven minutes is that doesn't matter what your graph paper looks like, doesn't matter what you've written on there, the answer will always be simple. I love you.
You guys are on fire. I don't even know what pressure is on. Hey, guys, my name's Nick. Um, I'm going to talk to you guys about God's love is abounding. Our verse is going to come from Psalms 86.5. It says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Once I came up with my idea, I was like, crap. I don't even know what that word actually means. <laughs> I have a small vocabulary. So what I did, I went to my friend Webster. Uh, Webster's Dictionary. Uh, he defines abounding as be present in great quantity. And I was like, huh, when in my life have I been in a presence of great quantity of love? And I think to my wedding day. How many of you guys remember your wedding day? Some good, some bad. <laughs> uh, the bad may be all the stress that comes with it. You got in-laws coming, you got to worry about the food, you got to worry about making sure the husband actually shows up at the altar. Uh, you got to worry about everything in between and out, right? Hair, makeup, well, not me, because I don't have any hair. Well, I did then, but anyways. Um, but you got to worry about all that, right? You got all the stresses that you're worried about. And then you kind of lose, get lost in that. But the moment that brought me back to the significance of my wedding day would be displayed in this moment where I wish I had the picture where I saw my wife, my soon-to-be wife, coming down the aisle. Now, I want to share a really embarrassing face. This is my face. <laughs> it was like that, like, no joke. It was like, there's a crying, and then there's ugly crying. I was ugly crying. Because in that moment when I saw my wife starting to walk down the aisle, First off, she was looking good. But secondly, I was looking at my best friend. I was looking at my best friend who's about to accept me for who I've been, all my baggage, all my burdens, who I am in that moment trying to be a better person, and who I'm going to be in the future. We were going to share vows, and we are going to solidify our marriage through love, through this abounding love that we promised to make to one another. All while me looking like an ugly hot mess. But there's a reason why I was looking like an ugly hot mess. Because I always had so much love for her. This abounding love for her. This great quantity. And I think that's similar how Jesus looks at you with his love. Jesus is at the end of the aisle. Waiting for you to walk into a relationship with him. And he's crying ugly for you. Because he has so much love for you. He looks at you saying, I know who you are. I know, you, I know your history. I know who you are now. I know you're trying to be better. But believe me, you're going to be better once you get poured into my love. And that's going to make you a better person in the future. There's some of us in this room that call ourselves followers of Jesus. But my challenge to you is, are you a follower of Jesus just on Sunday? Or are you doing it throughout the week? Are you doing it when that, you're at that red light and you want to make the next green light as fast as you can? Are you doing it at work? Are you doing it in your household with your your spouse, your kids, whoever? Or are you just loving Jesus on Sunday? Are you pouring out that love for those other people throughout the week? My challenge to you is do it. Because God wants you to share your love with those people. God's love is not intended just for you. It's intended for the people around you. He wants, you to, he wants people to know that they're forgiven, that they're loved, and that there's a relationship that they're seeking after him. The second group of people in this room are those people that wouldn't necessarily call themselves Jesus followers. 
my challenge to you is walk down that aisle. Jesus is there waiting for you. He's not even moving. He's waiting. He's saying, he's right there saying, I forgive you. I love you. I don't care what you did. I don't care what you're doing right now. All I care about is you walking up to me saying, yes, I accept you. I vow my marriage, my truth to you, and I'm going to love you. That's all he wants you to do. In closing, you're probably thinking, wow, Nick, some great fancy fairy tale. Jesus loves me, this I know. We all remember that. Well, if you went to Sunday school, you're, Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible told me so. It's a great little love song, right? But the reality, God's love is not that. God's love is transforming. He's going to make your heart feel so full of love and so full of joy. When you feel alone, when you feel lost, when you don't feel important, when you feel like there's nothing else to give, God's love is there pouring into your heart and overflowing it so that you can overflow that love into other people's lives. Jesus wants you to know that no matter where you are in your life, no matter how far away you get, he's always, always standing there waiting for you, saying, here I am with an abundant mountain of love for you, crying at the end of the aisle, because I love you. And that's all I got. All right, great job, Nick, and everybody else. Oh, so um, I'm David, the drummer. My favorite thing, I'm, I'm Julia's husband and, uh, and Leo's father. Um, so we just got back from a youth trip uh, like last night at like 11.30. <laughs> and uh, it was amazing. Where, where are all the youth at that were there? Can you just stand up for a second? Stand in the back, over there, over there. These, these youth and the others that didn't show up here this morning, you guys can sit back down, it's, it's cool. Um, they had an amazing time. I, I, we went to um, the Father's House over in Vacaville, California, which is an amazing church, and man, they, they, they do it up right. <laughs> um, and so these kids, we, we went there, and, and there was worship and speakers and, and words for everybody, old and young. It didn't matter how old you were. Like, everybody left there blessed and, and full of life and love and, and passion for the things of God. And um, it reminded me of when I was their age. 13 years ago, I was 13, right? It's kind of weird how God does these doubles. Um, but 13 years ago, I went to my very first conference ever up in Redding, California. And it was the same style. There was worship and words and, and just all about Jesus for an entire weekend. And people put so much time and effort into making this an amazing thing for us for, for one, <laughs> one purpose. And that purpose was for us to experience the love of God. See, my message today is that God's love is powerful. But see, the thing that, that I grew up in church all my life, and it wasn't until that conference that I was able to experience the love of God and experience the things that everybody had talked about, experience the power that people had said. 
You know, anybody ever go to church and hear all these amazing stories about like God did this in my life and God changed me and God saved me from addiction and God healed my marriage and God blessed my finances and, and all of this? You ever hear this? Yeah, yeah. You ever go home and God didn't do that for you? You're like, what the heck? You did it for them. Loving, caring, all that stuff. I think we as a people spend too much time in the church without actually experiencing a moment with God. See, the whole God thing, the whole Jesus thing, it's all about a relationship. And within the confines of relationship, a trust, a marriage, that's where there's power. See, the second you start coming to church and hearing all these things about what other people have experienced and how God has changed their life and, and you go home and your marriage is still failing, your finances are still failing, your children are still running away from you and all these things that are going wrong in your life that you know shouldn't be going wrong. The second you, you start to just take what other people have said and what other people do and their life experiences and what God's done in their life and repeat that to other people is the second that this relationship becomes a religion. And a religion has no power for anyone. The only power is within the confines of relationship with Jesus. These kids, 13, 15, 19, these kids have addictions. These kids are plagued with stress. These kids are plagued with depression. These kids are plagued with anxiety. These kids are plagued with all of the negative, horrible things that this world has to offer, all the ways that the devil tries to get into our families and lives and destroy them at a young age so that they can never be for what God has called them to be. And he is really good at it. He's really good at it. He did it to me and he's gonna do it to you too. <clears throat> but see, this is all good and fine. For me, because it happened to me. When I was 13, I had an encounter with God and it changed the course of my life. It, I wouldn't be standing here today if I didn't experience his love and I didn't experience his power and I didn't experience his pressure. I, I wouldn't be here. My life would not be like this. But, but put it this way. Psalms 34, eight, it says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Right, I went to a restaurant in Chicago last year, right? Pizza. Chicago pizza, best pizza I've ever had in my life. Oh my gosh, if I could take all of you there, like tomorrow, we would go. I, the cheese, the crust, the flake, the just heartiness, the, the indigestion that came with it. I mean, the whole thing, absolutely worth it, right? But again, that's good for me. You guys weren't there, you didn't experience it. That means nothing for you. If you come to church, for your entire life, maybe some of you have, and you never pick up that fork and put the bite in your mouth, you will never taste, you will never see, you will never have the power that God has for you, you will never become everything that God has called you to be. You will never have your life be changed. So this morning, I just wanna give God an opportunity to do that for you because he's the only one my words mean absolutely nothing. The worship, the, the music, the, the production of everything means nothing here if God does not meet you and you do not say yes to God. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.